Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow female artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom these women have to offer. Today, I sit down with Lisa Gilroy and enjoy some delicious almond milk caramel lattes. Lisa is an actor, writer, comedian, and a woman I admire immensely. Okay, I'm very, I'm very excited to talk to you today. I'm so happy we're talking. I'm like, so, and I'm a little nervous when I reached out. So you might see me like actually look at my notes because oh, I might forget. Um, when I reached out to you to ask you to do this, I actually thought for a second, like, I should make sure that I put like my Instagram handle or something in my signature because I was like, she might not know who I am. Of course like, I know who you are. I mean, but it's a weird thing in the community, I think sometimes where you're like, either you think nobody knows you. Or you yeah. realize, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Lisa. But then I realize I don't know any, I don't know a lot about you. I get that all the time, especially now living out in L.A. Mm-hmm. When I meet like people that I'm like a little bit starstruck by mm-hmm. that I've seen in shows and I know so much about, I can't be friends with them because I'm spending the whole time trying to act like I don't know things about them when I know so many things yes. about them. It's horrible. That's It is straight because also you want to be like, oh, no, I want to treat you like a normal person. And how can this be? a genuine friendship afterwards if I've like researched that I know about your breakup. Exactly. And also I find myself reintroducing myself to them every time I see them. Because oh. I, 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 I have a no proper context for like how this is going. Because I'm like, I will always remember who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you, re- like if you, you, you automatically make it like a status imbalance where yes. it's like, oh, listen, there's, I know who you are. I'm always going to know who you are, but exactly. you're not going to know who I am. So then I end up being this weirdo that, and then we don't end up ever being friends because then every time I meet them, I'm like, hey, sorry, you might not remember me. My name's Lisa. I, I met you at that show at UCB Franklin. Yeah. And they're like, I know we've met each other like six times, but in my head, I'm like, you're just yeah. so much cooler than me. There's no way you remember. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel the same way. And then I get feedback that people think um, that I'm always being sarcastic or that, like I think I'm better really so if, yeah so if I'm like hey I don't know if you remember me I'm Amanda they take I guess they take it as if like I don't know if you, you should remember me. me yeah yeah I'm like whoa whoa here I am like journaling about how I met you and whatever <laughs> anyway so it's it's a whole thing um okay so you are a person yes that I have my partner knows you as Instagram Lisa because you are one of the only people uh, on Instagram stories I watch like you and anyone I know who has a baby or a dog. Like, that's basically Aww. the only people that I watch. Um, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to, babe, I'm going to I'm gonna interview Instagram Lisa. And I was very excited. And so that's when I sort of realized, like, oh, I've seen you perform a bunch of times. I feel like professionally I have an idea of you. But that's actually when I realized, like, oh, personally, I have no idea. I don't know your personality. I don't know. So then I went on a deep dive and did lots of research. Ooh. And I'm so glad that I did because I was like, oh, I want to ask her about this. Oh. There's so many things that surprised me. You come across to me like, first of all, like ridiculously talented and everyone I talk to says the same thing about you. Um, also, like the most wonderful human being. You setting this up today. I felt like you were hosting me today, like in your emails about like, yeah, yeah, right. For the audience at home, Amanda brought me the most <laughs> beautiful buffet spread of scones and treats and coffee made to oh, order. Lisa made sure I wasn't allergic to cats. <laughs> and she, I was like, how thoughtful. This morning I was getting ready and I said to my friend I'm staying with, I'm like, Lisa just asked me if I'm allergic to cats. How nice is she? Um, okay, but yeah, so so I sort of like did a deep dive and I want to ask you about, there's sort of some overall like things that I want to ask you about today. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so sort of the first thing is when I was listening, this was specifically in podcasts, you were talking about how like in the beginning, what's now the beginning of your career, but maybe at the time you didn't think about it as the beginning of your career. Um, in Edmonton, you felt like you felt small, but with like huge dreams and you didn't really have confidence to like move to Toronto and now you moved to Toronto and to LA like yeah. huge or didn't really think like in, in making your self tape for undercover high kind of thinking like, I'm feeling jaded. Yeah, I'm totally. feeling cynical. Like, what's the point? It's going to go to a guy. So I'm sort of wondering, like, where does your confidence come from? Like, it seems to have started before you had any evidence of like, yeah, I could host a TV show. Yeah, mm. I could move in book roles. So did you always have a sense of confidence in yourself or in your capability? I don't know if it's confidence as much as like just the drive to do the funny stuff. Mm. Like, I just want to do it so bad. So, yeah, like, where Edmonton, where I'm from and grew up, there's they're not making TV shows there. There's nothing happening there. But I know I just have that, like, internal instinct that I want to, like, make people laugh and do comedy. Mm. So, basically, just wherever I could get a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Sort of what you said, too, of, like, I guess the desire to play was stronger these are your words not mine I don't want to take them out but like the desire to play was like stronger than the fear totally the, like, fear of failing at something totally I, I would say that's where like 99% of my confidence comes from mm. I always have that voice in my head that's like there's somebody better there's whatever but I know at the end of the day like not doing it mm-hmm. or not trying to do it would be harder than actually doing it Mm. you know what I mean like the pain that could be caused from me going to this audition that I'm not qualified for and falling flat on my face would be far outweighed by the pain of just never trying that you know Mm. and then being like 65 and being like oh I never tried to do that thing I wanted to do so for me it almost comes down to like I don't really care if I'm good at it or not Mm -hmm. I just know that I love it and I have a drive to do it so I'm just going to honor that instinct that I have and you know just yeah, kind of out of like self-respect to be like, hey, well, my gut's telling me I got to do this thing. So I guess it doesn't really matter if I'm good or not. I got to do it. Yeah. It's like sometimes if I feel really low in my career at a point, I'm like, okay, well, what else am I going to do? I could go get a job at a bank. Yeah, great. Like no judgment to people who work at a bank and love it, but like I would hate it. Yeah, me so too. So it's like, all right, am I going to do that? Or am I going to feel like I suck at the thing I love? I should probably just stay here because that's going to suck harder. Totally. And it's like, did you ever read that Jim Carrey interview where he talked about his dad? Yeah. Who, his dad wanted to be a comedian, but instead he got Never some sort did. of like nine to five. He was an accountant or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. And then he got fired from that and was laid off forever. And so, and then, so Jim Carrey said that his dad told him like, you might as well try to do the thing you want to do because you can also fail at the thing that you never wanted to do. Yeah. So like, yeah, Amanda, go try to get a job at a bank. What if they fire you? Like that, how bad <laughs> no, does that, that suck? That would suck. Now even you suck ho- at being a bank so teller. Like, and I don't you even want to fucking be here right now. <laughs> exactly. You fired me from RBC. Like, I don't want to be here. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. Well, one thing it seems like you do have um, like a very strong sense in confidence in yourself is your improbability. Mm. And that's something... And rightfully so, because you're like one of the most talented fucking improvisers ever. I know getting compliments sucks. (laughs) It's just so I'm sweating. Getting (laughs) like my hands are sweating telling you. I always want people to text me a compliment and not tell me because I want to save it and read it later when I'm really sad. But I don't want to have to have a reaction because I I don't. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I'll just record this and send you the soundbite. You're a really fucking good improviser. (laughs) But and that's something I actually found as I had more confidence in the beginning of improvising. Like when I first started and I was like, oh, maybe I'm good at this. And as time went on, sort of as expectation built, like as I, as I stopped 
needing to ask for time on stage and yeah. people were offering it mm. I was like now I have to be funny yeah you know right. that expectation I know you actually shared on a podcast about like once you say oh I'm here to be funny now it's scary yeah right you know so did you always feel confident in improv mm, I knew I had like a natural ability to it like mm. I wasn't like when I started doing improv pretty early on I start I started getting more opportunities than some other people that were also just starting so that was immediately validating like oh okay I must have this is the first show I've ever done and it went really well I must mm-hmm. have some sort of natural inclination towards this um but I do feel like I just I am getting more confident the more I do it because mm. I think before I used to like when I first started out, I knew I was being funny, but I was also like trying to be funny. Mm. I was really like working for those laughs. And now I feel so comfortable on stage that I can go and not have any idea of how I'm going to be funny and just trust that something will come out. It feels mm. so much better now. I, I don't know if you'd be able to tell so much, but for <laughs> me, there's a huge difference. Like mm. I just feel so much comfier on stage now and I'm a, I'm a slow burner now. I feel like I used to come out guns a blazing, like, <laughs> I got to get out there right away and win them over. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it's like as a woman in comedy also, like, we're cute girls. I'm like, well, if I suck, people like then people are going to think Lisa sucks too because she's a woman. It really is. You're like a fucking spokesperson all the time. Yes. I, I, that's one part that I don't like. And not only that, it's like if you come out on stage with like some big bearded guy with glasses, everyone's like, that's a funny dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, immediately yeah. they're like, I'm ready to laugh at him. Her? I'm not so sure. Yeah. It's like you already have this extra bit of work to do. Yeah. You have to not be a downer. Sometimes like I'll say something and I can see the line. I'll say something I'm like, oh, now I'm a downer. All right. I get it. Now I'm an activist somehow. Like this was oh. not what I wanted to go for. But oh, that's funny. it's very strange. Yeah. So do you think you're um, do you think you're getting more confident just from like experience from from time passing and getting more? Yes, definitely. from a very healthy split place of like getting more experience. <laughs> so I feel yeah, yeah, like reps definitely yeah. for sure. And yeah, also like I was so nervous when I first moved to Toronto cuz you know you'd see people like at like Second City main stage or a Bad Dog or whatever and you start to like idolize these performers mm-hmm. and then slowly as time went on I started doing shows with those people in it and I would just get so nervous like Mm. I I was so excited but also like couldn't even sleep the night before like I can't believe I'm gonna get to do a improv show with like Rob Baker yeah who were the people who were the people when you got there in your life Carly Heffernan Uh, yeah so many people um yeah Matt McCready, Kyle Dooley, like everybody across all the, the- you know, like yeah, the big, the big guys, the big, the big guys across all the theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I used to love doing shows with them because I knew th- that's when I felt the most like, you know, like jump in the net will appear sort of situations. Yes. I thought like, oh, I'm in a scene with Ashley Como. I can try anything, and she's gonna make it a good scene, right? Or like Jan Caruana. If I'm ever in a scene with Jan or Marty Adams, yeah. I'm like, oh, fucking great, yeah. like. It's a little selfish, but it's sort of like I can do whatever and they're going to save me. Um, But then, yeah, later doing shows with those people, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to suck. Like, I'm so junior to them. And just like wanting so badly to be their friends. Yeah. And wanting them (laughs) to think that I'm good. And also just being nervous about like, okay, it's like half of the nerves come from being on stage and the other half is like, okay, so how am I going to like be conversational and cool in the green room before the show? How do oh, I, like, I know it's you like, know, cause they all know they each le- other oh, and know. I'm like standing to the side. So it's, it's always hard to break in, but the more, you know, now after getting in all these reps and working with so many different people, I realize like everybody's just a person. Like everybody mm-hmm. now I couldn't even fathom if somebody would be nervous to do an improv show with me. 
Like I just, you're one of the people, you know, when you're talking about it, you talked about this on a podcast about like how you came in and you were like, Oh, I'm not there yet, but I want to be there. And yeah. like people who intimidate you immediately when you said that, I was like, that's you. Like, I feel that way about you all the time. That's so funny. It is very strange. Cause it's like, you, well, I don't think it's strange, but I can see, how, you know what I mean? How, yeah, yeah, that's, you are that to other people as well. Cause 100%. And I think that's what's like, because I would never feel that if mm. I was backstage with some people, I didn't really know that well. And I was about to do a show nowhere in my mind would I be thinking like, Oh, I'm a better than these people or whatever. So that gives me confidence to play with anyone. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I know if I'm not thinking that nobody is thinking. That. No, no. And if they, even if they, first of all, people are so, a lot of people are just thinking about their own show or what they want to do there. And if they're not, if it's like a low pressure show, they're probably thinking about like what they're going to order on Uber Eats after the show totally. or like what they just did or this idiot who's in the audience. Like, but we're all, yeah, we're all just like worried about how the other person, and that's why, like you say, getting in the reps, I hate the reps. I hate the reps so much. I love doing improv in class. And sometimes I genuinely am like, fuck, I don't want to do a show on stage. Really? Yeah. I hate. First of all, I've realized really recently that I prefer to play with either people that I am so close friends with that I feel really comfortable with. Yeah. I feel like everybody loves Always that party. part. It's so yeah. fun. But, or like acquaintances, like if I'm getting to be your friend and we've recently like opened up and become on stage, all I want to do is take care of you as a person. So I can't get out of that. I can't get out of like, would you like this? Oh, you just told me about a breakup you just had. So now I don't want to do any relationship scene. Like I'm so, yeah. And it's just within the last like six months, but I hate the reps. I hate failing in front of my peers. I don't care about the audience, but like, I don't want peers to think I'm a shitty improviser. Right. Yeah, I hate the failing in front of people. I hate bombing. I think that's something that I've changed my mind about mm. is that now I just like the bombing is so necessary. Mm. It's just such a huge part of what we're doing here. It's like 80% of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, more often than not, I don't book the audition. The It's like it's just so entrenched in what we're doing that it's like, you just got to fully embrace it mm. and even walk away from a show being like, well, that went shitty, but I'm becoming a person where failure just rolls off my back. Cause we can't, can't do this job if we hate feeling without kind of have to know, learn so to true. gobble it up and love it. How did, yeah. Okay. So how did you learn to gobble it up? Because this industry can feel often very evidence-based like, Oh, well, are you an actor if you're booking no roles yeah. or are you a funny person if you're not making any audiences laugh? And I know you, you have to pull from how you feel about yourself and what, but sometimes it's like you need something tangible to feel like, oh yeah, I'm a working actor because I'm booking roles, not just because I think I'm talented and my mom says I'm good. Yeah. So, right. so when it's those times of, oh, I'm not booking a lot of roles or there's not a lot of exterior, like exterior, external evidence. Yeah. How do you just like gulp down the failure how do you like move past that and still think no I am good enough I am this thing yeah it's so funny because I mean I don't know how anyone else feels but I'm starting to wonder if like if I'm weird because (laughs) I have like an actual fire in the pit of my guts that like wakes me up in the morning and like I have to do this like Mm -hmm. I'm literally talking to my therapist about this all the time because yeah it's like I get so like last year was a hard year for me. I got mm. so close. I network tested for so many network shows. I didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. And I got so close. And it was like I just was so depressed, so run down, mm. so much. Reje- the rejection was really like chipping away at me. Mm-hmm. But I can't do anything else. Yeah. So it's like for me, it's such a crazy 
drive coming from my guts that I can't. So, so I guess that's why for me, I'm like, failure is just part of it because it Mm. doesn't matter how many times I fail. I already, my soul has kind of resigned to like, well, this is what we're doing on planet earth. Mm. So like pull up your big girl pants and let's get out there again. Yeah. Cause there's no other choice. It's like, For what me, else are you going to do? Yeah, I know. totally. Because so like, I do wonder, I see, it's funny, like JFL showcases are happening mm-hmm. right now and I've gone and watched a few of them and I see there's some people who it just, and I mean, I know them off stage too, so I kind of know like a bit of their internal struggle, but some people don't have that fire in their guts and they kind of think like, oh, well, I'm 30 now and I've been doing this for 10 years, so this is my thing that I'm do it's for like you know what I mean like it's a choice for some people mm. and so I feel like when that happens there's like a little bit of it's like treated like a nine to five like oh like an obligation mm. like I gotta do this thing and you see it's kind of joyless on stage and they're just like they've decided this is going to be my vocation uh where that I'm like would be really hard I feel like I think one of my biggest fears is to make choices that make it so I'm not the happiest I could be yeah like I'm not the most fulfilled out of like fear or self-doubt and so yeah, I used to think like, well, what else am I going to do? And that is sort of how I end up like pulling myself back up again. Yeah, I shared like last year, because what else am I going to do? I would love to do something else. I truly would. I, I honestly, I know it's like, I heard so many like quotes and you know, I feel like this quote's always rolling around. That's like acting, you know, if there's anything else that yeah. you want to do, go do that. Go thing. do it. Because if this, if this isn't like a driving force mm-hmm. from your loins, it's just, it's too hard to do something else. It's yeah. It's so hard. And I think too, if it's not something that's like almost in your DNA that you have to do it, um, yeah, it becomes too hard. And also you pull less joy out of the small wins. Yeah. Whereas I think if you really want it, little things can be like, like even, you know, when, when you were talking about like you network tested for a bunch of things and didn't get them. And I totally, I mean, I can so appreciate the the feeling of rejection and the feeling like, fuck, I was so close and I didn't get it. Remember when all you wanted was auditions and you couldn't get auditions. (laughs) And then you were like, all I want is callbacks. Why is no one calling me back? And now everyone's calling you back and putting you on hold that you're not booking the gig. Like, remember the time when you would be like, you would read a Mindy Kaling book and she said, I kept like network testing and nobody wanted me. And you're like, oh, how lucky she's a fucking a dream. Yeah, I would love totally. to be rejected by a network. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, totally. and not to, not to minimize any sort of like pain from it, but I think sometimes that helps put it in perspective too. Like if I told my 10 year old self That's that this so was my true. life right now, I would, this rejection would be a rock star. Yeah. Like I'm a rock star to the 10 year old self. It's so cool. That's a really good point. I gotta remember that. And still, you can still be like, yeah, this rejection fucking sucked. I'm going to go buy a scone. Yeah. Or I'm going to go like wallow in self-pity for like an hour and watch something on Netflix. And then I'm going to go do the next thing or whatever. Yeah. But so you think just failure. I I, I actually really like when you said the 80 percent. I'm like, I (laughs) I mean, at least for me. (laughs) No, (laughs) As if for me, I'm like, "Eh, it's only 30 for me. (laughs) But but I think that's a really actually like healthy way to look at it is like, it's inevitable. It's yes. part of it. Because it's almost distancing it from yourself. And it's like, what well, it has nothing to do with me? It's just inevitable. It's for everybody. A hundred percent. Yeah. Are there any are there any gigs that got away that then you were really upset about? And then afterwards you saw it and you're like, oh, I'm glad I didn't get that. It's funny. I Well, I don't watch the things I didn't get. I try oh. not to because it's like, I don't like knowing all that character's lines. <laughs> that <laughs> does not make my heart feel good. Um <laughs> But I did get in a bit of a rut this year with those tests that I did because it's like I would see it would be down to me and like two other girls or one other girl. And so I knew who they were because I would mm. see them at the studio. 
And then I got into LA is very strange. I mean, I'm experiencing this in a way I never did in Toronto, but like when you don't get the thing, you can just kind of like see the sliding doors of your life. So it's like, I started like obsessing over these women on Instagram being like, Oh, she's doing this red carpet. She's doing this junket. That's interesting. Like I can see what my life would have been like if I got that thing. God, that's awful. She's making $20,000 an episode. Must be nice. You know? So that's not, I mean, I think we have that. That's like a unique thing to us. Um, that we have to deal with. So what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> Any gigs that you really wanted and then you watched and you were like, oh, never mind. Right, right, right. I think it's healthy not to watch it yourself. Yeah, I don't watch it. So then, and then now I'm also trying to not even just like follow up with the personal lives yeah. of the people who did get it. But I do think it, it's, it, I feel like it all kind of comes out in the wash. So there's things that I, like things that I was so bent out of shape about in the beginning and even mm-hmm. like a year in still if you would have checked in at me at any time I would have been like yeah I still wish I would have got that mm-hmm. thing but slowly over time it's like I guess I just now have to believe that everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. if it's meant for you it won't pass by you and mm-hmm. just got to blindly believe that yeah so that you're not haunted by all of those ghosties I know and if any of the ghosties you're like oh I, I loved that ghostie you can just make your own ghostie yeah but right. even more tailored for yourself that's the thing though I know we were talking about this before mm-hmm. we started recording but like we were saying how it would be great to like show run and write the thing mm-hmm. and be in the thing. But it's also kind of like, I would just love to have somebody else do all of that. Oh like, Jesus. I, yes. I feel like I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, okay, oh. well if no, if I'm not getting these opportunities, I'm going to have to do it myself. But yeah. really deep down, if someone else could just like pitch to the network, write the scripts, make the Bible, do that whole thing. And then I just get to walk in at the end and be like, I'm here. I, that's like, ideal. I'm ready. And this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. I know I created like a show with a couple friends who like, I am obsessed with and I love them. And, uh, because of that, people are often like, oh, so you want to produce, you want to write. Was it Beck and Call? Beck and Call. Oh, yes. my God. Uh, Talk about sweaty hands, Lisa. <laughs> you know about Beck and Call? Yes, I remember. Well, that dog is very old now. And uh, we st- we filmed some new episodes, like, years later, like, maybe last year, I think it was, or whatever. And uh, we sent it out to some people for some feedback. And they're like, we would love to see more of the dog because, like, that's what it's about. And I'm like, girl, she can't handle more than a day on set. Like, you got to – she's 13 now. You got to chill. She looks like a different dog. She looks totally different. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but with that, and people say, oh, so you want to produce and write. And I know I have this idea that I want to show run a show, but I also – think like I think that's just born out of necessity yeah if I was here and someone said like here do you want to be Leslie Nope in our new remount of Parks and Rec I'd be like are you fucking I will never write a day again yeah if I can do that right what's like a what's like the a perfect role is there is there like a like mine like Leslie Nope I would have died or anyone on the office oh yeah like just would have been like, okay, I'm now retiring. Yeah, me too. Is there, yeah, same? I'm like very similar. Yeah, those like single cam comedies that are just like truly funny and they're not shoving the jokes down your throat. Mm-hmm. And they're like a good crew and they last a long time and they just become Ugh. like a staple vitamin of the comedy world. Yes. Have you seen Veep? I haven't watched a lot of that, no. Oh my God. I'm not even, I, sh- I don't know why. I'm like, I'm not even into politics. I was about to say it as if I was bragging and I actually don't <laughs> think that's a good thing at all. But Veep is a thing like I would have, I would have loved to play her um, daughter who's like the most pathetic oh, yeah. character Isn't ever. That, see, I think you and I are alike in that way where it would mm. just be so great to play like a supporting. I don't want to carry yeah. the whole show on my back. No, no. I pop in with some jokes. Yeah, yeah. I guess I chose Leslie Nope, which is like, but she's just, I think because I feel like she's very much 
like a type yeah right and those things like when she color-coded her binders I was like oh my god <laughs> lady boner like, I was so excited about that um okay I, I'm curious uh you mentioned not to me again on another podcast you mentioned that uh you so when you self-taped for undercover high mm-hmm. for hosting it Emmy nominated no big deal um when you you self-taped for it and then for the callback you also self-taped so when you came in to shoot it it was like the first time you were meeting everybody mm-hmm. and you sort of mentioned how you're like well I hope they still like me yeah and that struck a chord so do you get more nervous for the audition like the in-person audition do you get more nervous for that or once you book the role do you get more nervous to like live up to the expectation of what they saw of you that's interesting I feel like I'm trying I'm even trying to rack my mind I'm like it's so rare that I book the thing um <laughs> oh my god I can think of a project you did that I was obsessed with and I'll ask you about it later oh okay. that you booked okay you're like oh no big deal just walking oh is that a billboard yeah maybe it is is oh, your face on it right pet friendly yeah yeah no I feel you know what actually is the surprising thing about being mm. on set is like I find this is like a weird thing, but I find I'm so obsessive over like m- the lines. I know mm. them like the back of my hand for for the auditions. And then I show up to set and I don't really know them. It's like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not used to being like, oh, so now I need to know like six pages of this. <laughs> right. Do you think that's from um, like the zone and undercover high being so like because you could improv and it was like it actually helped. It was almost better to improvise lines. Kind of. I mean, but also because I'm just so not used to being booking the actual I feel like because and they say this about actors it's like Mm -hmm. our job is auditioning auditioning I know I audition like three times a week and I consider that my like job yeah my job that pays no money yeah (laughs) so my volunteer work that is my passion in life yeah I sometimes and I think it's healthy for my brain too because I'm also trying to condition myself right now to think like there is no other job auditioning Mm -hmm. is the only job Mm -hmm. because that's when I get so bent out of shape is when I start thinking like when I get the callback or I get the producer session or the network test and I start thinking like oh this is my this is the the episodes and the the series gonna go for this long and once I start thinking in that world Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get some sort of weird nerves I'm gonna like destroy something Mm -hmm. but if I just live in the space of like oh how fun today I get to go into this audition room for 20 minutes and do this scene a couple times I'm so excited to show them what I did with this scene Mm -hmm. if if to me it ends I have to convince my brain that it ends there yeah my job is just auditioning so I've so conditioned myself that way so I'm not heartbroken all the time yeah when I actually show up on set I'm like oh this is another weird part of this job I guess sometimes (laughs) you go to set yeah this is a bonus (laughs) I didn't actually think about this part yeah oh interesting so that that saves my life, that yeah. mentality, to be honest. Are you, do you find that you're able to enjoy auditioning more that you've shifted to that mentality? Totally. Yeah. It's uh, And it's out of necessity. Again, it's like, it's just so sad. My life's so sad. <laughs> it is so, I just cry all the time. It's it's so hard. That's We're why sitting I, in like a beautiful, I have to say too, her apartment is so gorgeous. It's very, is it called Hage? Okay, I've heard this word yeah, from Flo I, and Joan is how I learned it because oh, they have a song about up. it. They do. It's so true. Yeah, a friend of never, mine I think said, it's yeah. like Huga or something. I've never heard yeah, of it Yeah, I don't know. Them. It's like H-Y-G-Y-G. There's an E in there. Do you really there. think it's this, my apartment? Because I feel like my apartment's kind of like empty looking. I think that's high gay. Oh, really? Or he gay. I, you know what? It might. T- I don't know how you say it. A friend of mine very close was like, he's like, I'm redo- I'm feeling so stressed out. I'm redo- Him and his husband were redoing their apartment. Uh-huh. I was like, great. And he's like, I love high gay. He didn't say it. He texted it to me. So I still don't know. And then when I went there and he was like, it's. Oh, my God. Is it sweet? I think it's Swedish. Minimalistic nature you know what I don't even know interesting okay I thought it was the opposite of that I thought it was like cozy eclectic like rugs and mugs and (laughs) rugs and mugs and pugs and hugs oh my god maybe but I don't know someone listening to this podcast is very furious right now tell us in the comments below (laughs) do you know how many people 
I've talked about high gay with and I've only been worried that I'm pronouncing it wrong and now I'm like I think I'm saying and no one's everything correct wrong. I feel like it's just this ambiguous thing mm-hmm. that everyone thinks other people know more about it than they do even yeah. if they actually have her apartment's beautiful <laughs> thank you it's very tranquil <laughs> She's hanging out with like the cutest t-shirt on right now. And she's like, my life is <laughs> okay. just in no, 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 I don't mean like I'm, <laughs> I just mean like it's, I, it's hard for me to do what I'm doing. Yeah. To be honest. I like, uh, like I said, I don't see any other option for myself. Mm-hmm. I love to make people laugh. The shows that I do, I love doing improv, all the stuff that I do for free. But like the part that the auditioning part is very hard for me. Mm. I do it because it's part of my job and because I do want to like book shows and be yeah. able to do make money. Yeah. But I have yeah, like, I'm like a bit nice. fragile, you know, like I get yeah. rejection is really hard for me and I've been working really hard on taking care of myself and, you know, like, like I was talking about, like imagining it's just the audition, mm-hmm. try not to get my hopes up, managing expectations, all of that. It's been like such a journey. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still working at how to not crumble all the mm-hmm. time. And is it the rejection that's so hard about, about auditioning or is it, is it like, cause some people find the, vo- like they find it very vulnerable, like being in front of or like yeah making the choices or it being in other people's hands like what aspect of the auditioning process is like the hardest for you that's a really good question I think mostly it's just like I know I can do it and I I know I can make people laugh and I it's like you you know you put all the work in Mm -hmm. it's so much you know you you read the script you download the sides you print it out you highlight you memorize you practice you you get ready, you drive across town, sometimes an hour to Santa Monica, you go and you're in there for like seven minutes. And I, sometimes I just leave thinking like, and, and a lot of the times you don't hear back anything. Um, and so it just can feel really lonely and really discouraging, especially in LA where it's kind of like, I I can't tell you how many auditions I've done where I'm like, I nailed it. And then I get an email from my manager right away being like, just so you know, they offered the part out. It's like always, it was on offer to somebody who's already a celebrity. So Uh. it's that like discouraging feeling. That's like, I know I'm good at this. I know I can do it, but it's chicken and the egg. Like I'm not famous, so I can't get a role to become famous enough to get the role. (laughs) To get the role. I know. So it can feel a little discouraging and hopeless. And it's so hard to not compare yourself to other people and, yeah, sometimes I mean, I'm also trying not to um, scan the like sign in sheet at auditions. Oh, anymore. my God. Yeah. Because in Toronto, I used to do it all the time because I'd be like looking for my friends names and I'd text them and be like, girl, I just missed you. Yeah. Or like, are you still here? Like, wait in the parking lot. Let's go for coffee afterwards. I always did that. And yeah. so here I thought that I could do that, too. But I literally see like semi famous people on the list that <sighs> I know already from TV. And I instantly go like, oh, well, she's going to get it. Yeah, that would be so intimidating. And even if it's on like a subconscious cellular level, I feel like any bit of self-doubt or whatever, it just, you can't, like if it creeps in, like you just can't let it. So yeah, seeing, if I went there and I see like, oh, see if I went to an audition and I said like, I saw like, oh, Lisa Gilroy, I'd be like, all right, well, she got it. Like I would do the same thing genuinely. And like, it's, but I see it's like in Toronto, I do the same thing. I'm realizing now that you're talking, I'll, I'll scan it and be like, oh my God so-and-so because I'm happy because yes. I or I want to see it's like oh maybe feeling. they're in the room right now I want them it's a hundred percent or if it's like if it's a commercial and they're casting two best friends I'm like oh my god who's gonna be my you know yes it's exciting in that way but yeah if I was here and I was seeing people who but you know what I truly think I bet you they're scanning it looking for somebody else those people that you went on Instagram and you're like look that's the life I could live I could have been living right now they're scanning their own Instagram and that person's scanning somebody else's and everybody's creeping each other's curated lives. And it's so true. It's exhausting. I had, um, 
I had a conversation last night with a friend who I'm staying here with and he, we were talking about auditioning and he brought up something that was like so interesting to me. He's like auditioning, like auditioning actors is the only sort of place where you're interviewing for a job and they're asking you to do the job before they give you the job. Like you don't (laughs) ask like, oh, hey, I need a plumber. We're going to hire a contracting plumber at this firm why am I saying a firm this law firm is going to hire a plumber for the building those lawyers well they they plugging it up and they're stressed out they got stressful diarrhea and they you don't bring in a plumber and you're like okay fix this toilet we'll see how you fix it and then we'll see if we give you the job yeah that doesn't happen in Los Angeles that's like everything that's out on offer is like we already know a plumber plumber that fixed our toilet last time let's just call him let's just and if you and if we're gonna go with you then you're just gonna have to fucking show us that you can do the toilet thing we already saw this other guy do the toilet thing a million times we're offering it to him that's so true if you want it you're gonna have to show us you could do it you're gonna have to fix 20 toilets yes and then we're gonna be like you know what though we don't want a blonde plumber yeah you're gonna be like that's it i always get excited for auditions because i feel like there's no expectation right maybe that speaks to where I am in my career right now (laughs) but I feel like there's no I feel like I can go in and do whatever but if I get a call back then I start thinking what did they like from my audition oh and then you get in your head about it yeah so when I get a gig if I book something I am like sometimes I'm like fuck which really yeah well I sort of think oh my god whatever they think I am I'm gonna have to live up to that in my personal life it happens all the time if I meet somebody like at bad dog after a show and I don't really know them if I met you and I was like and then afterwards you um we added each other on Instagram and let's say you messaged me you were like oh nice to meet you tonight girl like um you're so funny immediately I'm like okay this is a contract now I always have to be funny with her this is exhausting I I feel that yeah, I have inklings of that. I feel like I've been working to overcome that for mm. a while. How? Tell me. Do Lisa, help me. Oh, girl, I love my therapist. Okay, good. Yes. Um, well, because I'm just Do you like, go to therapy? Good. Well, I just like sense, I feel like we have some commonalities, yeah. like almost like a, a twinge of codependency and mm. like wanting people to like us. And mm-hmm. I, maybe that's like a natural inclination for performers. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we only have one life and we can only do what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. so- like I can't tell you how many times I just like do something I do a show I talk to a person I have an audition I and anything I do in my life I oh my my general like life philosophy is like well here we go like fuck it like you know I you know I never feel like I'm doing it right or I'm like being likable enough or I Mm. like the same thing with you is like I don't know if what they expect of me and I just, I'm never going to know. Mm-hmm. So might as well just go and make a bunch of mistakes. And the people who are still there after you shit the bed are the good ones. Yeah. Are the ones that are still going to keep you around. And you want to keep working with. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always think too, like I do genuinely believe like, it's like, okay, if I, if I thought I was perfect for a role, but that director didn't clearly, it's going to be that director's view later. Like it's going to be their take on the project and things anyway. So then I wasn't right for the role. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, it's it, it definitely in uh, in university. I used to like go out to parties or gatherings and like go home with a, my friends would make fun of me like, oh, you're the one who you don't want to go to the party. But then you come home with like everybody's phone number. Oh. In these days, you gave each other phone numbers. Yeah, right. And the next day I would just like lay on our couch all day. I never wanted to hang out with anyone new because I'm like, it's going to I'm going to have to perform for them all the time. Interesting. It's very hard. I find it very hard to make genuine friendships with people because I don't know if they're going I guess I don't know if they're gonna like me I don't know but here's another thing you know how you're like I don't know if I'm doing it right here we go yeah 
I think actually we give off way more of our genuine self than we realize. Yeah. Or than we even try to. Like even if you try and hide who you are, I think if you're in an audition or you're meeting people, like everyone radiates who they are way more than they mean to or that they are trying to. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think like I love that you're doing this podcast and that you're turning 30 like I just turned 32 months ago. and Happy birthday. Thanks. And uh, I also feel like turning 30 really helped with this stuff that we're talking about. Because oh. I think all this conflict of like, are they going to like me? Am I good enough? Blah, blah. I think we all kind of have this feeling that one day I'm going to be better. One day I'm going to be more confident. One day mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to have arrived as myself, as a woman in my body, yeah. in my mind, in my personality and my opinions, everything's going to, the dust is all going to settle and I'm going to become Amanda. Yeah. Uh, and that never happens. So damn it. No, <laughs> that's why I think 30 yeah. is so powerful for so many people, including me, because then when I turned 30, I was like, Oh fuck, here I am at the age where I thought the dust would have settled mm. and it hasn't. And so I, I have to choose to do that now. Mm. And I think it's always a choice. Like you have to just choose to, to love who you are and like rep yourself and mm. be on your own team and like be your own cheerleader. But you mm-hmm. think like one day I'll be better and then I'll be like that. That, that actually doesn't naturally happen mm. just like as you turn into an adult. <laughs> yeah. I know it you will never feel like you're waiting. always thinking yeah. you're waiting. It will never happen. So then turning 30, you're like, okay, well I'm 30 now. If someone knows what's up, it must be me. If anyone's an adult, it has to be me. I'm 30. Yeah. It says on paper, I'm an, I'm, I have yeah. arrived. I'm an adult. So it's like, better start acting like it now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that, I hope that that settles some of that turmoil for you too, mm-hmm. that you suddenly just think like, well, this is who I am and it's good and I'm mm-hmm. here and I've done it. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, and sort of what you said when you're like, yeah, you know, you have to, you thought the dust would, you thought the dust, you thought the dust would settle. And you would sort of be like, oh, now I've become like Lisa. Yes, the I've Lisa arrived. that I wanted to. Yes. And now I can cheerlead on this version of myself that is good enough. But when you said it, I almost thought like, oh, no, I think choosing to be the cheerleader makes you become that person. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I think it's actually just, you, yeah, you have to, I think it's much more of a choice. You're yeah, right. Because then the waiting and the. Yes. Yeah. Because we're always like questioning ourselves. Like, well, I believe this, but I don't know if that's right. And I like this, but I don't know if it's cool. Mm-hmm. And I, you know. And you think like, w- when I'm old enough, I'll know the answers to those yeah. things. But you don't. So you just have to decide that who you are and what you like right now is the right answer. Mm-hmm. And it is who you are. Yeah, it's so true. Just a like friend s- of mine the other day said the same thing. I was asking her a question. I found myself asking her, how do you make friends? <laughs> like out loud that <laughs> on came the podcast? out. On, no, thank God it wasn't <laughs> on the podcast. We were sitting at Bloomers and I was like, but I don't understand. But how do you make friends? And then I, we just stopped and I looked at her. I'm like, I just asked you as an adult how to make friends. <laughs> like, no, this isn't happening. I heard you saying how you wanted to work on something and wait until it was perfect to then set it out into the world. You were talking about starting a podcast, Mm -hmm. but then also that you had to send it out there because you couldn't really improve on it until you got feedback on it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So how do you, have you gotten better at, or like, how did you find a way to balance? I want to make this the best it can be, but now, okay, it's enough. Now it's good enough. This is the time where I'm not going to wait 17 years to do it. I'm going to like do it now. You know, how do you find that balance? How do you like, all right, this is good enough now. I'm sending this out. 
I mean, last night I did a show. Yeah. I signed myself up to do a show. It was like a character's open mic. And I wanted to make some new characters this year. So on like Monday, I was like, hey, I'm going to do that Thursday night show. I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And I have seven minutes of characters. I did not at the time have seven minutes of characters. So I kept saying all week, I'm going to write something to do with the show. I'm going to write something to do with the show. The show was at 10 p.m. last night at 8 p.m. I'm like getting I was nervous. staring at my laptop yeah. being like, I don't know what I'm doing in this show. I literally have nothing. Oh so I went to my bedroom. I dicked around with some wigs and some blazers. <laughs> and I still kind of had nothing. And for the first time in my life, I was like, I was on the brink of canceling the show. I was just going to wow. be like, I'm so, I was literally going to just lie and be like, I got a flat tire. I couldn't make it. Yeah. But I was like, no, you know what? This is part of it. I'm just going to show up with this. And I was like deeply embarrassed. Mm. And I came in, there was like a lot of people there. And I was like, I want people to think I'm a good performer and, yeah. I, and my stuff is polished and good. But I'm telling you, I did this character that was like a like a lounge singer at a jazz club. And I had the opening sentence written. And that's all I had. <gasps> oh that's my all God. I had. And I, and I went up and I did it. And it was like, it wasn't great. But mm. the, the feeling of like, I was proud of myself afterwards. Yeah. Of just being like, it's just, you just got to trust yourself. And also if it's not perfect, guess what? I'm still up, up on stage doing mm-hmm. something, which if anyone's going to sit there and judge me for it not being perfect, you're in the audience, brother. You're sitting there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm up here. Yeah. I win. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's good enough. The fact that you're doing it mm-hmm. is the win. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the, you know, they say like the critic, it's easy to be a critic. It's easy mm-hmm. to be the people out in the world watching what you're doing, but they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So fuck them. Ugh. I would, I would snap right now if I wasn't on a podcast. <laughs> that was, yeah, you're right. Because, you know, I think too, if you would have, I don't know, but if I would have chosen to say, oh, I got a flat tire or whatever, there's a party that'd be like, oh man, why I didn't I go do that? Yeah. yeah. Even if you were super forgiving of yourself in like a very healthy way or on the flip side, just doing it is like, see, I told myself I was going to do this. And so I fucking did it. Yes. And that's something that comes with like building trust and respect with yourself is like keeping the promises that you make to yourself at the beginning of the week I said Lisa you're gonna go do a character set tonight so make sure you make a character and I didn't I'm my own mom (laughs) so I didn't do it and so my mom said hey you made a commitment yeah sweetheart you better get to the show okay I'm not gonna ask twice (laughs) better honor that you didn't do your homework but you're gonna go figure it out on the way there and that's tough love and I give that to myself and it's a gift yeah absolutely because if I become that person that's constantly flaking on shows then I can't trust myself anymore Mm. I'm gonna book myself on stuff set goals I don't meet make promises that I don't mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge part, especially, especially I think in this industry, because a lot of it is like, it is self accountability. Cause you'd be like, no, I decided I don't want to do that avenue anymore. Yes, I don't want to yes, do this. Yes. And everyone around you is like, Oh great. You're making healthy choices. It's you who, who will know, no, I'm not doing that out of fear yes. or it's because of this or, um, can I ask you, uh, when, how long have you been in therapy? Mm, like, uh, you know, I was going sporadically in Toronto. Yeah. Like once every like, six months like yeah. so bad and then when I got here this year mm. after I tested for those shows that I didn't get mm-hmm. I started going now I go every other week every other week nice and and were you when you were when you were growing up was therapy how was therapy viewed like how did you see it did you see it as something that everybody goes to did you see it as like that's when people are really in trouble what was sort of the I, view I, my mom always went to therapy when I was mm-hmm. a kid so I think I just kind of thought it was normal and mm-hmm. then um and now I feel like we're so lucky because it's 2020 and I feel like therapy is very cool. Yeah. It's like a cool, it's like a matcha latte. It's like, are you in therapy? <laughs> you know, it's, it seems like, yeah, for me anyways, I've never felt any negative mm-hmm. stigma. I think I wonder it. too, if LA, 
I'm very aware that I'm the one living in Toronto and you're living in LA and I'm commenting on LA, but I th- feel like in LA too, it's a little more normalized and in Toronto, like I, yeah, also Toronto, like both cities normalized. Yeah. yeah. I was hanging out with a friend and she came, she was like a couple minutes late and she's like, Hey, so sorry for being late. I, w- I was just coming from therapy. And at the time I'd been in therapy for a while, but I always, I never told anybody oh, like really? I hit it. At, yeah. I was, like, I was so proud when I first started going, were yes, you who got a therapist? <gasps> yes, like, it was who? like, I got new Uggs. <laughs> Baby's got a therapist. I love it. Get her every other week. I get <laughs> I'm new important ones. now. And I, was, yeah, and I wasn't like, I went to school for psychology. Like I'm very, wow. I, yeah, I was never, it was never that I was ashamed of it, but I think I wanted it for myself. And I just through therapy became very aware of how much I want to, please other people yes and how much I want to make them feel seen and blah 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 and so I think I just knew if I start sharing my therapy with other people too soon therapy will become for other people and I was like no 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 my therapist even called me like a few sessions in she was like I said something and I guess I said it in a way she's like is this session for me or is it for you and I was like (gasps) oh my god because it's crazy. It really is crazy sometimes when you just think, doesn't everybody think this exact same thing? You don't know it's a thought until yes. they say there's another thought you could be having. And yeah. you're like, whoa. I know. Yeah. I, think there, I think everyone should be in therapy. Me too. I think it should be a part of school. Like, I think I you like should just. it's getting so popular now. Like, I know tons of people who are in therapy. Yeah. I think every actor should be in therapy. Definitely. A hundred percent. And that's why I mainly started going. I was, like, was going to say, yeah, what made you start going? Yeah, I was just like, I was just feeling so, I mean like I've said already a thousand times, <laughs> if if I feel like I don't have a choice with what I'm doing, like mm-hmm. creatively, I'm propelled into this career mm-hmm. by my guts, then when it's hard, I feel so trapped. Like mm-hmm. I just feel like, uh, what is wrong with me that I am, a, it's like, I I said this to my therapist the other day. I don't know if I should be saying this out loud because <laughs> this is not really, you know, I've never actually experienced this, but to me, my career is like a bit like an abusive relationship. Mm. It's like I'm deeply in love with it, but it treats me badly so often Mm -hmm. and leaves me like crying and rejected. And I just, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you can't change the other person that you're in this relationship with. So like, and I can't, and I know in my heart, I don't want to leave. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just stuck. So, so now I'm just all about like, okay, well, if I can't change the rejection part, what well, what can I do to cope mm-hmm. better? How can I take better care of myself? Because that's really all I can do is suit up and wear a helmet and knee pads and then get back in the game. Because mm-hmm. I can't I can't change it. Like we're playing on ice and it's hard when you fall. You, <laughs> you know. Fall and it, yeah. I wonder if it's harder even in comedy because, you know, getting into comedy a lot of the, I think a lot of the time the the love and the passion of it is like you get to make people laugh and you get to be stupid and silly and you get to bring out like that part. So sometimes I think it makes it even harder when like sometimes being in comedy is not fun and yeah. it's not enjoyable and I don't feel like laughing and or you know what I mean those sort of totally. things so in those times when it does how do you make it so it doesn't suck the initial fun out for you well that's so funny that you say that because I it did this year my fun did get sucked out of it yeah it was like I used to do comedy just for the hell of it you know in Edmonton and Toronto doing improv it's like we're literally just doing it for fun. It's yeah. not like there's going to be network execs that Well, that's the thing. It's in. very low stakes. But in LA, it yeah. has turned into a higher stakes thing. Like I've booked gigs from people watching me do improv here. Wow. And so now with this underlying feeling of like there are people that come to the shows in Hollywood mm-hmm. to talent scout. So that's a reality that I'm dealing with now. And then also, you know, I love to do like character comedy, make characters mm-hmm. and stuff. And so all, for all of 2019, it was like everything I made was for 
other people to watch. Like it was like, uh, like SNL or JFL or Clusterfest. It was like showcase after showcase after showcase. And I started making things from a point of like, I hope you like this. And I lost mm-hmm. that, the feeling of stuff I used to do in Toronto that was like, oh, I'm just, I'm purely doing this for me. There's no one else to do it for. So I'll go do Sholo, Christian mm-hmm. Smith's show or like mm-hmm. something at Bad Dog or whatever character stuff I can do just because it's fun. Um, so yeah, I lost that. It felt like it became about other people and less about what I just thought was silly and playful. Mm-hmm. And so after that year, uh, at the end of 2019 last year, I, I wrote a one moment show for myself that I'm doing here now in LA. I did, had the first show like three weeks ago. <gasps> Congratulations. And that felt so fucking good. That was, yeah. I like feel like I completely took back my power. I was like, I'm going to write a show just for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I, I didn't even, I, Lots of people were asking me like, oh, are you going to invite like your, you know, industry and your mm. manager and blah, blah. I was like, no, no business people allowed. Good for you. This is for just for me. And yeah. we're going to just like have some laughs. And so I did my show and it was a dream and I felt so Aww. empowered by that. And so, yeah, so that was, I got to do more stuff like that, that mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to carve out space to be like, I'm just doing this for me right mm-hmm. now. Like, this is why I got into it in the first place. Exactly. This is the fun thing. Yeah. Because I bet you, like, I could see how that would add even more to the trapped feeling of like, if then you're doing it for other people, plus this is a hard ass industry anyway, plus all the rejection, you're like, what part of, like, when did this, and that sort of happened to me the end of last year too, of like, when did this career that came out of passion and like a necessity from my heart become for everybody else? Yeah. And I think that's exactly like, you have to remind yourself of why you got into it and like what you love about it. And it's so funny too, because I feel like people always say, you know, you hit that point and then you start being like, fuck it. I'm just doing it for myself. I don't care what you guys think. Mm -hmm. I'm making stuff that I like and you start doing it and then people notice you and then they want to cast you in things. Yeah. And so it's funny because there is like a bit of that mentality where you have to put your blinders on and not think about that. Yeah. Because you're like, ooh, and now that I'm doing this, that will happen. It always creeps in, you know, the the like wanting Mm -hmm. and it's like, I'm just constantly trying to delete that from my mm-hmm. mind, but it is so hard. Can I ask you a little bit about your relationship? Of course. Do you feel comfortable? Okay. So, um, we're, we're sort of similar in the sense that we are both, we've both been with our partners for a fairly long time. How long have you been with your husband? I've been married to him for seven years and with him yes. for 13. With him for 13. Okay. So this year I've been with my partner for 13. Oh, wow. So weird that it's the same. I feel like I need, we need to do something spooky this year because it's 13. <laughs> yeah, I but I'm know. lucky. My marriage number is seven. So that's too lucky to do something spooky. Whoa. Seven and I 13. Feel like, that's a, I feel like that's really lucky. Well, I feel like once you get married, the other number seems like it, we never right. talk about it anymore. Yeah, that's so fair. That's really fair. All right. But when your marriage gets to 13. Yo, yeah. Then with the spookiest spooky, jamboree, like the watch out. Curious, haunted. <laughs> I don't even think my partner's, I don't even think he's like yesterday we were in old town in San Diego and there's like haunted tours. I'm like, ooh. And he's like, all you want to do is be a witch. That's but so I'm funny. But I'm afraid of everything. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we've both been in long-term relationships and both of them are not in the industry. So this is, so uh, this is something I've wanted, like I've wanted to talk to you about this for literally years when I didn't even really know who you ooh, were. Let's yeah. Is, um, do you think it's easier having a partner who's not in the industry? I'm so thankful that Steve, my really? husband does not do this. How come? 
because I am a fucking emotional wreck. <laughs> I've told you this. Yeah. It's like he, you know, having somebody with like, okay, not, okay. So there's so many, obviously it's like financially stable. That's yes. him. Yeah. You know, work is nine to five, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday. It's like, we know his schedule. Yeah. <laughs> it's the consistency <laughs> that he brings to the table is mm-hmm. so comforting. Mm. And then also, yeah, that's like, and I mean, I don't know if like men and women just naturally lean towards these things anyways, but I feel like I'm all over the place and he's like steady as a rock. Mm -hmm. And so I need that to balance my life out. Mm. But it's funny because right now, right now, as we're recording this, he's in Santa Monica interviewing because his, he was doing, he had a job out here. He's like a a software guy and Mm -hmm. he was working on an app here that closed their LA office and relocated to San Francisco. And so he left. And so he went this morning and I had an audition this morning and he left for his interview. We left at the same time. He's like, I'm so nervous. He's just like a wreck, you know? And then he's like, I can't, he's like, I'm going to an interview. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait a minute. You go to an interview like four times a week. I'm like, yeah, baby. Interviewing is my (laughs) life. Yeah. I'm a professional interviewer. Yes, I am. So yeah, it's just like very interesting to see how that like rocks his world so much. But I'm like, that's amazing because if you were an actor too, then we'd constantly be like, it would be a lot, oh, it'd be too much. That's such an interesting point. Like I always, I mean, I definitely, so my partner's a physiotherapist, so he, he doesn't have nine to five, but his every, every Monday of his is the same. Every Tuesday is the same. Yes. Like he has those set hours. Consistency. Consistency. And sometimes I feel guilty about throwing in this like chaotic and he's, a, it's funny sometimes I've watched um, your Instagram stories with... So if you're with Steve... <laughs> yeah, where I bully him mercil- mercilessly. I'm very similar. So I'll show... My partner's name is Rompton and I'll show him and I'll be like, look, it's like you too. Like he'll <laughs> smile, but then he'll be like, okay, enough or yeah, like whatever. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I feel guilty about... Well, he didn't choose this. There's so much shit that comes, especially lifestyle-wise and yes. routine that comes with this signing up to be an actor that Mm -hmm. sometimes do you like I feel guilty sometimes being like well this is your life too I guess yeah I know Steve's been so great about that because I definitely did when we first moved to Toronto Mm -hmm. it was like we moved for me to do the YTV show Mm -hmm. Undercover High so that was and didn't hard. you only have like a week to move or something? Yeah, you were like, so I went without him at first because yeah. it was so sudden. Yeah. And he, had a, he had like a full-time job in Edmonton. So I went by myself for the first like five months. And then he came. And so I really wrestled with guilt so much because mm-hmm. it was like watching him. It, well, it was so lonely for both of us, but watching him like trying to make new friends and yeah. be alone in this big city that we're not used to, like three times the size of our old one. And I struggled with so much guilt. Anything negative that happened to him, I was like this is my fault. We're here because of me. Yeah. I would feel the same thing, which it's not, but I, I like, right. I totally see what you mean. Yeah. And so he was so good and gracious about that and like did so much reassuring. It took me so long to get over that hurdle. And then once undercover high wrapped Mm -hmm. and I stopped making that money, then there was like a whole new wave of guilt where I was like, Oh my God, now you're also the financial provider. And that Mm -hmm. had never happened in a relationship before either. And so then I wrestled with that all the time, like feeling so guilty about like, buying things anytime I spent money I would like I just like basically was always trying not to and he was always being like it's our money like relax you know so yeah it is it is uh it's definitely challenging Uh, marriage is always hard or like long-term relationships Mm -hmm. is always challenging but yeah when you're the like the baby of the family, (laughs) it's the baby of the heart and and what about moving here like it, it was it was it being the second move and the second time you're asking him to move for your career, 
did it make it harder or easier that it was a second you time? Know what? It's easier because I'm I really think everything has worked out so well. Like mm. I really think everything happens for a reason because we thought that we were moving to Toronto for me, but it it almost seemed like it was ended up being better for Steve than it was for me. Really? Because he had a whole career shift in Toronto. He was an electrical engineer before and then he realized he wanted to make apps and he like found himself at this night school. He went to brain station in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like uh, right at Spadina and King? Queen? Yeah, King? yeah. Yeah. And the, we, don't, we don't have anything like that in Edmonton. Like he never would have found that that was his secret underlying passion this whole time. So he started doing that and then when it was time, when it felt like it was time to go to LA, mm-hmm. uh, it's also, this is like the app creation hub of the planet. Yeah. Like Silicon Valley and. Oh my God. This is perfect motherland for totally. him. Totally. So it all just like came to a head. That's why LA feels like the perfect place for both of us to be. Yeah. So, I'm so lucky it worked out like that. It's amazing. Okay. So you posted on Facebook about um, that when you married Steve, you took his last name. And that years later, you sort of felt like you loved that connection but also like somehow it made you feel maybe I think you use the word like less feminist or seeming less feminist yeah is that something you feel comfortable talking about how do you yeah so I struggle with that when people find out I've been in a 13-year relationship they do the math and they're like oh so you were high school sweethearts and I hate that term and a friend the other day was like it's a lovely term. Like you've, you guys are still, you're not miserable. It's successful. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. But for some reason in my brain, if people know that I've been in a long-term relationship, I'm almost like for that long, I'm almost embarrassed. Like they think I'm codependent or I'm not an independent woman. Oh, and then I feel bad because I adore my partner. He adds so much to my life. He is such an equal partner. I respect him. I love him. Yeah. And I struggle with like, does this make me appear to other people like less of a feminist? Oh, interesting. That's so, I'm so happy that you said that because I've never felt that way. Really? (gasps) Teach me how. Well, I don't want to feel that way. (laughs) No, right. And I, and yeah, so that's so interesting. Um, I know, I, I mean, I can identify with the feeling of like, sometimes I feel a bit childlike because I've been with Steve since I was 16. So Mm -hmm. when now, you know, when I, I have lots of single female friends in their late twenties, early thirties and, um, everyone's talking about like dating and like, you know, one night stands and all like Tinder and Mm -hmm. all these things. Yeah. I don't have my, you know, my area of experience and that is zero. Mm -hmm. Like I've never even been on like a first date, you know, because that was like my mom dropped me off at his mom's house and we had dinner with his parents. Like, you know, like that's That's like, so so I don't, I have no, so that's the only thing that I've like, sometimes I struggle with when I, when my friends are going through breakups or whatever, I'll also Mm -hmm. have never been in, in, had a breakup. I don't know if you dated someone before your partner, but so there, I do feel sometimes like there's a missing chunk of experience, but I think on the whole, I'm just like overwhelmed with gratitude that things Mm -hmm. worked out the way they did. Cause I think like there's so many people that would kill to be in your position Mm -hmm. where they, especially as an actor, I think about this all the time. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I already do this job where people are telling me all the time, like I'm, I'm like not thin enough or I'm too tall or they wanted a different ethnicity or I like I'm getting rejected all the time. Mm-hmm. If I was also dating in LA right it, now, yeah. I would fucking turn into a <laughs> ghost and fly crumble. into outer space. Yeah. Like I couldn't handle it. <laughs> so it's like, 
That's a good point. That's actually a really, yeah. And you know what else I think all the time? Mm. I, I accredit a lot of my success or any success that I have had really to like, I think a big part of it has been like the stability of having Steve be my family and us moving through this together because think of how much of your brain and your heart is opened up just to like be creative and Mm. do you Mm -hmm. because you're not out there like looking for a mate Mm -hmm. so it's like that 13 years that you've been with your partner you've just been like a free bird to chase your dreams Mm -hmm. and without any distractions you know what Mm -hmm. I mean because I think it can become really overwhelming for people it becomes like the sole focus Mm -hmm. and I I don't I don't blame them either I I feel I think I would feel the same way you know um I, th- I think like having someone to share your life with is more important than having a good career. Is that like, that feels like bad to say? No, I, no, I don't think, I think it's actually very like, I think your therapist would be proud. I think it's very meant like a healthy, mentally healthy. What's happening to my brain right now? Mentally healthy thing to say. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I'm just like, very. I'm like so conscious, con- conscious of like offending people I'm not trying to say that like if you're single your life is not good no 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 I'm just trying to say like the people that we spend our lives with yes regardless of whether it's a person or if it's your family or if it's your your relationships in the end when Mm -hmm. you're laying in your grave Mm -hmm. matter more than career stuff the IMDB credit that you got yeah a hundred percent like treat it as a gift that you've Mm -hmm. found someone that you love so early on and it's locked in and you're just free to scramble around doing whatever you want Scramble in like your, egg in your career and not yeah. have to worry about that part. I mean, of course, like, yes, we still have to tend to these relationships mm-hmm. to take work to keep them healthy. But that's a beautiful. A I have. It's so funny. Like, why? Why are there all of these um, phrases about relationships of like tied down or like, I think that's the first time anybody has used freedom to me in a conversation in alignment with a relationship. And when you're saying it, I'm like. Oh my God. Yeah. Because not only do I have all that time that I would be dating, it's also all that I can, I can go out and feel so rejected, feel so awful, whatever. I always have a home base. Yeah. I always can curl up and feel like so so, like such a wonderful person in his eyes. I can Mm -hmm. always get that. If I'm like, okay, I need a break from my career today. I can go to him and I like, we have that home and that hub. Yeah. And that's also something where it's like you are free to go out and try things because you have that foundation to fall back on to be like, no, I am good enough. You're right. I'm getting back up. Here we go. Yes. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. like, for you, if you feel like it's anti-feminist or whatever to, yeah. be, to be with someone for so long, do you have like a way that you play it down when someone asks you like, oh, are you in a relationship? Yeah. Just, what do you, I how used do you to, answer? I used to do it a lot. So they'll be like, are you in a relationship? I'm like, yeah. And, uh, I don't say how long until they okay, ask Okay, so then me. someone's like, oh, how long have you guys been together? Yeah, then I'm like, oh, this year will be 13 years. And do you do so, any Wow, that's a long like- time. So I used to do a ton, and now I stop <laughs> myself. But I used to be like, um, yeah, like if they said how long, 13 years, wow. So, oh my God, high school sweethearts. Yeah, I just still like them. Like, I feel like I have to remind people, I'm not trapped, I'm yeah. choosing it. Like I have to, and I'm so aware that it's, so much of how I tell people about my relationship in the first like two seconds that somebody might be asking me is because of how I think they're going to see it and yes. nothing about how I see it. Yes. I, and I say to him all the time, like, I think I talk about it too much with him. I am so in awe and proud that we are able to build this thing that we have. Like my relationship with him, I think is like one of the most fucking cool things in the entire world. Like we 
have put so much work into it. I look back when we were babies putting in work and I'm like, how did we build this? Yeah. But there is this weird thing. Like, I don't want to come across as like a deluded housewife to people. Yes. And I, I don't see myself that way at all, but I want other people to see that I am independent and that I have my own ideas and like, yeah, it's so strange. I don't know. Do you, how do you feel now about, about having Gilroy as your last name? Do you feel? Well, for me, it was never about the relationship. It was more like I moved to LA and everybody is, everybody out here is like changing their names and mm. do, you know, do every, you know, every, every like yeah. celebrity. Like you know, a stage has, name? Yeah. Yeah. And so then when I started meeting with people, managers and whatever, it just kind of, and also when you join SAG, you have to change your name sometimes. Right. So that's also part of it, you know, insider info for those of you who yeah. don't know. If you go to join the union here, mm-hmm. In the States, it might be the same for Actra too, but if there's somebody that has your name already, you have mm-hmm. to change your name, which is why so many people like Emma Stone was Emily Stone, but went to register and there was already an Emily Stone. So she just became Emma Stone. It's not crazy that there can only be one. Yeah. So, so it sucks, but that's like the reality of it. So then the topic came up with my manager. It's like, okay, well you're SAG eligible. So when you join, uh, what's going to be your backup name? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, well, fuck, like my birth name is Lisa Lorenz, which mm-hmm. sounds so like. Like that's already a name that somebody would just like make up for themselves as an actor's name. So that's when I started feeling like, because I'm just like, I'm just so upset. I get to, I get, I get to be like obsessed and like workaholic over all of this business. And so, um, it kills me to think that I could have given up something that could have given me an edge. I'm so competitive Mm. and I work so hard already that I'm like, did I shoot myself in the foot? It was nothing to do with our marriage and our relationship. Absolutely. It was mostly just like. Yeah, I, I just didn't know if I made the right choice. And then when mm-hmm. people do find out that I took his last name, like, because I, I, I got, I got married young. So mm-hmm. in the same way that you maybe feel uh, like that anti-feminism about being together for so long, we got married so young that sometimes I get weird when people ask me, "Oh, how old were you when you got married?" Because I'm like, mm-hmm. "Well, I was 23." Mm-hmm. And out here, especially, that sounds bonkers like right. even to me now when I meet a 23 year old I'm like yeah. get fucked you could never <laughs> like what the I can't even have a conversation with you I can't believe you yeah. could marry someone yeah so there is a part of me that thinks like well I hope people don't think I'm like some sort of hypnotized child bride <laughs> right like what is, and it's funny because it really is and I'm getting this from you too that it is zero percent a reflection of our relationships with our partners yeah it's all about how are people going to perceive it and at the end of the day part of me's like I don't fucking care what you think about my relationship. I love it. And that's all that matters. Yes. But then it's also like, yeah, then we just got to because, yeah, I read, um, I was reading the happiness equation and they talked about, Mm. I I think I talked about, I don't know. I've talked about this before, but, Mm. um, about, uh, uh, apologize, apologizing versus accepting. And so it's like, that's kind of like the process of when we overcome something that we feel a little bit insecure Ah. about. So for example, like, Oh, Amanda, how long have you been with your partner? Oh, 13 years, but like we still really like each other. I mean, we, you know, we've changed a lot, but we still, we put in the work and we really get it done. It's like unnecessary <laughs> like explanation. For, yeah, totally. It's an apology. Yeah. Um, And then it moves to just accepting it, which is 13 years. And the other person goes, okay, cool. It's yeah. like we give them whatever, you know, we give them the, the information. We're basically telling them how to react because if you yeah. answer that way 13 years but we've been together and then I start being like oh oops sorry I said I, it's a tender subject okay no I think that's awesome and then it's like we've just made it awkward for everyone yeah, and now we're both apologizing for being being in this wonderful relationship yes yeah exactly. that's so, so true it's just better to just own Accept it and it. say it and and then and then people don't have to worry about it yeah no you're right and it is just caring like let's just care what it actually is and you're right I have a friend who's like 
anytime she's like, well, you know that all the people who are talking to you about that are probably dating, looking for a relationship, not to say, and again, I don't believe that living a single life is any less fulfilling. Like I'm not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. My life with my partner is more fulfilling than my life without my partner. I believe that my specific partner, but like, but because she's dating, she's like, yeah, but if you're complaining, like who cares what other people think? Yeah. You know, it's exactly, that's true. I mean, they're not in my, I'm not in a, I'm not currently in a polyamorous relationship with them. So I shouldn't really care. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about your faith. Okay. If, if that's cool. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast where Tony Hale was on it. Oh, speaking of Veep, he was talking about his faith a bit and he was saying that he feels almost like he doesn't always bring up his faith because he's worried that if he does, and he feels like it's very important to him, but he worries that if he brings it up with other people, especially in the industry, that he's going to come across as preachy, even mm-hmm. if he's just sharing it in a passionate way. Like I might share something important in my life in a passionate yeah, right. way. And that he thinks sometimes people view it at, or he worries that people view it as synonymous with like having conservative views or that mm-hmm. their own view of it. Totally. So how comfortable are you bringing up like the fact that your faith is important to you, to people in the community, like both in Toronto and LA? I used to have a way harder time with it. Really? To be honest. Yeah. In Toronto, it was really hard for me. Um, it's so funny. It was like, cause I didn't start, I started going to church just like, you know, regular good old fashioned non-denominational Christian church mm-hmm. when I was like 19. So I wasn't even raised in it. I didn't, mm-hmm. I haven't like, I don't really have much church experience on a whole mm-hmm. and just started going because my friend was dating a drummer in a church band. <laughs> so we went to go <laughs> watch him drum. And then I was like, Oh, I like this. I like hearing, like, I like talking about something that's not acting or careers and like I like talking about life as like zoom out and like let's talk about life in general like almost philosophically yeah and like that's a nice yeah that's a nice respite from daily anxiety to like Mm. zoom out and be like okay so what if like there was a like a higher power and we're all fine Mm -hmm. basically that was like I want to come here every Sunday and have someone just be like we're fine we're all fine (laughs) you know like it's gonna be okay beautiful yeah so that's why I started going and then I had such deep shame about it for so long I was like oh my god especially in comedy like if anyone Mm. finds out I've been going to church surely like I'll stop getting cast in shows or and it did happen in Toronto a bit like if I did tell people it was like I would get weird stuff like, oh, well, we wrote this sketch, but Lisa probably doesn't want to do it because she goes to church. Like people start disqualifying you. Right. When like when you don't even have a say in it, people start assuming things about you. So that it can be a bit dangerous wow. or people are like, oh, well, she probably hates gay marriage and and, uh, you know, like she's racist and homophobic and because you know, it is so closely tied to politics, which mm-hmm. sucks. But yeah. it does suck. It really, yeah, that does suck because I think it's very different. It's also like religion versus faith can be very different. Totally. Like, so yes, I could not agree more. Well, I, and until, until Tony Hale said this, I honestly felt, you know, that emoji where like the brain explodes, yeah. that is genuinely how I felt. I was like, wait, what? Because I had never, I, I I'm, I grew up, I was raised Christian and anyway, and, and I, sort of when I was older, questioned it and decided, okay, you know what? I don't think I believe in that. But I had never, I always felt like I was the wrong one. Like I was the underdog. Like I would often hide that I didn't believe in God. So the idea, oh, because like I to was your church friends, to my church friends, like, to I'm my, so into this. I believe it. It's awesome. Well, <laughs> and, and I grew up also with a stepmom. She's not my stepmom anymore, but she, um, my sister who was a year older than me or my stepsister, she like uh 
lived at that house. I lived at a different house. So she went to our church for school. She was like the, she was like blonde hair, blue eyes. So she was like the angel. Mm. And then I was like the, who's this Portuguese thing walking in here on Sundays. And my stepmom always talked about like, oh, well, your sister did this today. Have you sinned? Like I was always the evil one very much. I used to sit in like Sunday school, just like terrified. So then when I was older and I just decided like, I want to make sure that I believe in this for me, not because Mm -hmm. I was raised to. Anytime that I thought, you know what? I totally see the merit in it, but I don't, I know in my heart right now at this point, this is not what I believe in. I always wanted to hide it because I felt wrong Mm -hmm. because I had that shame. And I also thought like, oh, look, everything my stepmom always told me is totally right. Mm. So the idea that somebody would feel embarrassed or try and hide that they did believe in God or that they had faith, that blew my mind. Just because of the, where I, where the framework that I came from. Yeah. You don't go like prance around the comedy scene in Toronto being like, proud to say going to church tomorrow morning like <laughs> right no totally and then I thought so about there it is I was some like, oh shame my... in the comedy world yeah well that's the first time where I was like oh yeah because any group that I'm with if like like I think more people talk about not believing in God than they talk about believing in God oh totally so that's what I wondered like do you feel comfortable being open about it yeah did you did you find that you were judged by it or yeah yeah, yeah so uh, yeah it became like a I feel like I had like a double life because then when I was at church at like I wouldn't tell any of my church friends to ever come to my comedy shows because I'm like you're not gonna want to hear me say fuck a million times oh my god and then I wouldn't tell my comedy friends that I was going to church because you know so it's like I was like a duo life yeah and that was really unhealthy for me and it Mm -hmm. got to a place where I felt like I couldn't I couldn't manage it or I just like wasn't being honest with people Mm -hmm. and then so then I moved to LA and I was like okay well I'm just gonna come in right out the gate I have a chance here to start over with new friends. So like, mm. I'm just going to come out the gate being honest with everyone. Yeah. And I have, and it like feels so good. And also like, yeah, I, I wasn't raised in church, so I don't have any of that like weird baggage. I don't think about like mm-hmm. sin. I feel like also church, at least the ones that I've gone to are like, and in, in LA, it's like, there's some pretty cool ones. Like mm-hmm. the, all the celebs are there and like <laughs> the music's actually really good. And the, the preaches are like, you know, the pastors all have like ripped jeans and tattoos. Like it's like, yeah. it's like, kind of cool yeah (laughs) so it doesn't seem as like yeah maybe maybe it's like has less of a negative connotation for some people out here which is surprising but yeah I just feel way more like chill about it now and I find Mm -hmm. it's that exact thing because before I used to say to people like if they found out like well well, I can't go to that rehearsal I have something on Sunday morning and if someone was like what I'd be like church but it's okay like I just started going as an adult I was not like I'm brainwashed I wasn't raising it and I would start all the you know yeah, all the apologizing all the apologizing cabinets, instead of accepting making yeah. it weird for everyone and now out here if it ever comes up I'm like oh yeah well I have church so I'll meet you meet up with you guys afterwards and if I don't make it weird it's not weird yeah <laughs> but anyways all that to say um I I hate when people are like oh you're religious because I'm like I, I couldn't be farther from it like mm. I don't make it to church every Sunday mm-hmm. I don't like do devotionals every morning I'm not and also I'm not crazy I'm not like Mm -hmm. Christ is the way the truth and the life I don't know what the hell is the real thing you know I don't know what the answer is Mm -hmm. I'm just I just sometimes like to go to think that there is something or someone that is bigger than all of us and cares yeah and cares yeah and so that's the thing it's like it could really be any religion or belief or spirituality I would never profess to be like this person's going to hell. This is right. This is wrong. I think people that do that are crazy. And I think that's part of it too. I've never want to be lumped into those people. Mm-hmm. Is that to, the fear and like telling people? Yeah. But uh, like I said, I really don't have a fear about it anymore Yeah, because I, 
yeah, it just feels like I know I like to go to church. I think it's good for my mental health. Mm-hmm. It's good for my perspective. And, you um, guys, and community. Community's I huge. Think moving a huge to a new thing. city. To, yeah. It's so true. Before And like I met church people before I met any of my comedy friends because now I do regular shows here but and like have teams and stuff that mm-hmm. and I love my friends but here you know when you're not in like grade school anymore as an adult you don't like see the same people over and How over again friends? and have a chance to make yeah. friends so that's a, it's a good friendship factory and then I mm-hmm. find like at church I find people that are like me that are like hey psst, do we really like believe this we're okay right like yeah. we're all people that are just kind of like <laughs> is this crazy I don't know it's good to be at church good to see you like who knows if any of this is right or wrong yeah Oh my God, I wish that, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that I knew of who found faith, who wasn't, who, who wasn't like, um, raised in yeah. faith. I think it's been a huge, um, gift to me. Yeah. I think, I think that's I amazing. I would be all fucked up if I was raised in the church for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause I, as coming as an adult, I've always had the feeling of like, oh, I can leave whenever I want. Yeah. It's not like a. And you're not, you're not like, um, betraying your family or no, betraying, no, there's no, you know I have I no mean? strings attached to anything. I'm yeah, just like, it's I'm just here because I enjoy this. Exactly. Which is what faith should be. I it know. should be for you. It should be your choice. I think too, for a long time, I was like, well, when I sort of started questioning it for myself because it was so forced upon me and because it was so like, you're bad if you don't believe mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. and you're bad anyway, sort of all yeah, the time that shame. like, then I knew even if I do believe in this, I won't be able to accept it for a while because I'm going to have to make sure that I believe in it and I'm not doing it yes. for someone, you know? Yeah. Um, did, does Steve have similar like viewpoints? Yeah, we're, it's so faith? funny. It's like we, uh, I went, like I said, I went to church to see my friend's boyfriend mm-hmm. who was playing and then, um, and then Steve started coming too. It was like, we just both were like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's go sometimes if we want to. Oh. Then we got really, really like, we were like really consistent for a couple of years. We went like every Sunday mm-hmm. and um, we're like helping on like set up chairs and like, you know, like uh. being part of the team and then yeah. you know, just kind of like drifting in and out. And now we're in a place where we kind of go like sporadically. Yeah. But it's been like really, it's been like pretty easy going. Like, I think that's I've, incredible. We're mostly both, on the same of. page. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, I, I think that's like a huge, because that can sometimes I think be tricky. It's one of like the fundamental things about like life and how you view the world, you know, yeah. some of those things filter through. And so, yeah, I think it's really cool that you both, um, have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The last thing I want to ask you about is, <laughs> I feel like this is a weird one, but, uh, working with Whitney Cummings. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Are you a fan? This is Yes. Well, you know what? It's funny. You sort of made me a fan. So you, I knew about her, obviously, uh-huh. um, stand up and stuff. And then when you hosted Pet Friendly, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to watch this. So hilarious. So good. So funny. Oh, you were you. so funny. Um, and then she started a podcast and I found so many similarities in the way that her brain operates sometimes, oh. which weirdly in researching you, it's been very comforting because there's a lot of things you said where I was like, oh yeah, I feel the same way. Like with perfectionism or certain yeah. like ways of viewing things. Um, okay. So I'm curious, can you talk about, um, auditioning and getting pet friendly and like working with her? How yeah. was the experience? How did that come about? Uh, well, I got the audition through my commercial agent, which mm-hmm. was very oh, strange. Yeah. Cause yeah, out here it's like, you know, in Canada we have the one here, you have commercial theatrical and, um, your manager. So mm-hmm. it's a, a bigger team, but the, so my commercial reps got it for me. So I thought I was going in for a commercial, but it ended up being like a short film. And so I went and I read and I got a call back and I came to the callback and I was called at 9 a.m. Uh, and I showed up and there was like maybe like four other women there and 
um but I was like the first one of the day mm. and so uh so do they, you like being the first one or does it freak you out Mm, I I guess I had never really known that I was you know because auditions start at such weird times yeah you could be at 3 p.m. and you could be the, first, the first one, one. yeah but so because true. it was 9 a.m. I'm like there's no way they were seeing people before me it was like no the one's only going time at 8 45 yeah and I didn't really mind I didn't I didn't think anything of it mm-hmm. but I walked into the room and Whitney Cummings was sitting there with this other guy and I was like oh my god immediately I was like oh fuck like I didn't know she was <laughs> so that was here. yeah so did you know that she was attached to the project I knew, when she, you, was, I knew okay. she was attached to it because they it said on the side on the br- that this yeah is like gonna be produced and directed by Whitney Cummings and I was like okay cool did not know she was gonna be in the room so I did the audition um they were like great thank you and then here's why okay look then I came out by the time I came out of the room there was now like a collection of like maybe eight women that were sitting out there and I kind of came out with like a look of shock on my face and this girl I had been chatting with before the audition was like what like how was it was everything okay and I was like she's in there Whitney Cummings is in there (laughs) so I in hindsight I'm like did I throw off that entire room of women because I was they would have been thrown off when they went in I guess too but it's like I'm the only one that had the luxury of having a nice calm morning right sitting in that waiting room being like I'm just gonna go in and do a normal thing and then I walked in and then she was I saw her and then we started the audition I didn't have any time to process that Mm, so it's almost better than like freaking yourself out knowing that she's gonna be in there yeah Yeah. I think so yeah a thousand percent. So I don't know. I kind of feel a little bit guilty about that. But then, yeah. Um, and then I, I had already been chatting with some girls before we went in. Cause yeah, I was called at nine, but I don't think they started bringing people into like nine 30. And then, um, so I'd already made like two friends there <laughs> and they were girls I had seen at the first call too. So we were just kind of like, we, we were exchanging phone numbers and everything and mm-hmm. being like, let's go for, let's go for coffee after this. And so we did. And then the next day I got a call saying, um, you're on hold for this. And so I, uh, and then one of the other girls texted, she was like, I'm on hold for this. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm on hold for this too. Like how exciting. And then I remember I was at UCB doing like a, I was doing a audition, I think like Herald auditions. And I got a call being like, you booked it. And then the other girl texted, she was like, I booked it. And I was like, Oh my God, what is happening? What's going on? And then I called my agent in a panic. I'm like, what do you mean? Like another girl booked it. And she was like, no, 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 you're the lead. She booked this, like, she booked, like, passerby number three. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, wow, that's crazy. So then, yeah, so then then I got all the sides, and it was, like, a lot of pages, which is unusual. Because, like, most of the time I book something, it's a commercial. It's like yeah, I have yeah. five lines at yeah. the very most. So that was, like. No, this was, like, a full, this was all you. Yeah, it was, like, a little short film. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we shot in downtown L.A., which was really fun and she was an amazing director it was her first time directing and she was just like so humble and mm. lovely and kept like stopping to be like okay well wait sorry what do I do here and then like the DP would be like okay so this shot would be like this and she'd be like okay okay yes that's what I was gonna say I knew that so I just thought I was like I thought that was so cool that she was so candid about like yeah it's my first time directing so yeah I'm like just the confidence that you would have to have to be like yeah hey everyone I don't really like I don't, I won't know all of this. I don't have it down perfect. Yeah. But I still deserve to be here and do this. Totally. Like the way yeah. she just like own that, the power of that. I'm like, that's the kind of the thing that I feel like I'm trying to accomplish in my yeah. 30s now being like, it's okay not to know all the answers. Yeah. And you just like, you can still be a boss. And that almost too, like the experience, like wanting a, um, a good experience of doing the thing and the thing being good is more important than my ego of people thinking I'm good enough. That's so true. You know, like, because at the end of it, it's like, do you want it, do you want it to suck? And people thought you were good in the moment, or do you want it to be the best it can be? And you had a good experience and you had to ask questions. Right. Right. You know, like, you know, it's, it's come up so many times that, that women feel like you have to, they have to be good enough or they have to be ready to direct before they'll direct oh totally and guys will just be like 
oh, look, here's a story. I'll direct it. And they don't I care. I read somewhere. I can't remember where I read this, but I read that um, if there's like a qualifications list for yeah. a job application, a man will apply if he has like two out of 10 of the requirements and a woman will not apply if she has any less than like nine out of 10. She'll go like, oh, well, I don't have that thing, so I shouldn't do it. Isn't that crazy? It's wild. And also men are like, oh, I have two. I could probably go for it. The rest of them. Because I think too, they think like, well, and if they hire me, then I'm right for it. Where I'm like, no, I don't want to waste their time. Or like if they hire me, then they, they, oh no, it's imposter syndrome. And they're going to find out I didn't like. Isn't that wild? It really is. Like, because that really does come, because I'll do that. Like it doesn't surprise me, but it's also wild. And how many opportunities am I missing out on or other people missing out on? It's so true. That they could totally do. And that, that's funny that you say that too, because I even, um, I've been checking my phone because my, mm-hmm. uh, I applied for <laughs> this thing that, and when I was in Toronto, there was a, uh, like a casting call for like expert guitar player for this commercial. I don't know okay. if you remember this when, when it came out, it was like for some phone company, it was like expert guitar players. And so I didn't go for it. I didn't like put myself in the ring for it when my agent emailed me. And then I saw it. I remember it played on like the big screen at movie theaters before the movie started. And the girl who got it was just like playing the C chord like over and over again. I was like, I could fucking do that. that. I can play basic guitar, but I did not apply for that because it said we need experts. And so since that moment, I'm like, so it's funny that because today I applied for, I got an email from my agent for this big Pepsi commercial, like a national Pepsi one. And it was for experts excited uh rhythm like ribbon dancers like rhythm rhythmic gymnastics ribbon dancers that's amazing and i'll tell you for my solo show that i'm doing right now it's a comedy uh it's called dillweed dillweed yeah i bought um dancing ribbons for it it's like there's a part of the show where i use them and it's like funny i'm not can't do it but i saw this thing i'm like i have those ribbons how many women in la i mean i know i'm definitely nowhere (laughs) close to me i'm not a dancer i'm nothing but i'm like i have the ribbons you could use i'm qualified yes you're qualified so i put because also there is a huge difference between being like i am i am an expert guitar player in life and an expert guitar player for commercial auditions and so many times i feel like they don't know what they're asking for no they They don't say we need an expert guitar player they they really don't know no Oh, I can't wait to see you in a Pepsi commercial with ribbons. Oh, I'm, I probably won't get it, but take a lookout for it now. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Maybe it'll come out as soon as this podcast episode comes oh, out. If you book it, I'm going to wait and we're going to like coincide the release and then we're going to make a little boomerang with your ribbons and like oh post God. it. I'm going to love it. Um, well, thank you so much, Lisa, for chatting with me today. I think I kept fun. you like longer than I said I would, but I loved every thank second you so of it. much. It was so nice. This was like, I think our first, this was our first actual conversation. Yeah. As two human beings. It's so nice to get to know you. I know you too. This was the most fun. 